What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined across the power of the internet by my co-host, Rachel Mogan. A bonjourno. Bonjourno to you as well. How are you this fine evening? Uh, we are enjoying this beautiful, dark, spooky night because it's Halloween. Happy yes. Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, uh, we actually... An event that I normally really honestly don't care about. Uh, at all but it does give me an excuse to have this little pumpkin behind me and that's that's, that's true new and fun gotta have the reason for the season yeah those it's nice to have some any kind of festivity is much needed this year even i'll get very into true. halloween very very true but yeah so we're actually releasing this episode a little bit later than our normal schedule thank you everybody for waiting uh patiently for this episode to drop because we had to finish up our review of a spooky game vampire so to be able to bring you our review of that game so uh we had to do that had to push it a little bit just so we could get wrapped up get a little bit farther into the game and so now it coincidentally gets to be released on halloween so that's awesome uh but team chat podcast like i said is a video game show that comes out on tuesdays 9 a.m central time and you can listen to those episodes on podcast services around the World Wide Web and also watch a video version of each episode over on our YouTube channel. You can find us on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join our Discord server where we have a lot of great discussion about things outside of games and games when we're not here recording the show. And you can also support the show and help us make it bigger and better by heading over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast where it's for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show and in return. We'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release, access to a private patron-only channel on our Discord server, the Rogues Gallery, and uh, lots of other fun little perks and goodies. So check that out if you will, uh, but if you can't do that, that's no big deal. We totally understand, and we would just help ask, though, that you can still, if you could still make the show bigger and better by telling your friends, writing us reviews, subscribing on all the different places. That would be awesome. So just helps get the big word of Team Chat Podcast out there to the masses. So every little bit helps. Another like bonus, if you could be someone who rents one of those like bus advertisements for us, like on our behalf, that'd be pretty superb. <laughs> get that out just get it painted. Just again, yeah. for the billboard. For the billboard. You know, put it on oh, the no. put it on the bus. Just, yeah, on the They'll side. Photoshop it for us. <laughs> they can flip it. Yeah. But yeah, so today we're going to be bringing you a review of twenty eight the twenty eighteen game Vampire. That was the October PS Plus game. So that's how we were both able to pick it up and uh, decided, hey, that's a good, pretty good sign. This is what we should play for this month and give you a nice, fresh, spooky review. But before we do that, though, we got to get a little bit of news and what's coming out soon in our moment with Mogan. Okay, because this episode is late, we're going to do a little bit of backtracking super fast. So all of the following came out this week. Carto for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, it's also available for Switch. I think it came out on Switch first. Ghost Runner for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Star Wars Episode seen, sorry, 1. D- didn't want to interrupt, but Ghost Runner, have you seen anything on that? No. It looks really cool. I've heard a lot of people anything. say it looks like a first-person version of it. Katana Zero. Oh, I'm all about that. So like Mirror's Edge meets Katana Zero. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it looks interesting. Sorry, I might actually throw that in there. Yeah, I might actually take more of a look at that. Uh, Obviously, don't know anything about any of these games. Uh, 
I'm a fake gamer, everybody. I don't play <laughs> games. <laughs> Star Wars Episode One: Colon Racer for Xbox nice. One is out now. Stories Untold for PS4 and Xbox One. The Legend of Heroes. Tra- I feel like I can never get away from this game. How many times is this game going to come out? The Legend of Heroes. Trails of Cold Steel 4 is out now <laughs> for PlayStation 4. I, I assume there's just 10,000 editions of that game. I feel like I can't. Apparently. It's, it's on every episode. Anyways, Control is out for the Switch. In like a random remote in a streaming version of the game. Yeah, whatever. Uh, no More Heroes is out for the Switch. I believe this is the port. Yes, they uh, announced these in the Nintendo Partner Direct recently. No More Heroes and No More Heroes 2 Desperate Struggle are both now available for the Switch. These are obviously both really old games, but they are, they've are they been ported to the Switch in anticipation of No More Heroes 3, which was announced as part of that Partner Direct. Uh, Blair Witch is now out for the Quest. Ooh. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion, a game I kind of forgot was coming out, is out now for PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. Pikmin 3 Deluxe has its port to the Switch this week as well. The Dark Pictures Anthology, colon, Little Hope for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Visage Visage is out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And then as of today, Auto Chess. Just the best game I can think Just, of come out you know, on Halloween. To, yeah, to cap <laughs> off this list. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. That's out now for PS4. And that's everything Very that nice. came out this week. Sorry we missed it all. <laughs> well, we also had a couple of quick other short updates, being that a couple delays came down the pike over the last week, which is Cyberpunk 2077 is yet again delayed until I December I think no 10th. one's surprised, honestly. Like, I thought it was close enough. They said the game went gold. I know that's not necessarily a guarantee that delays or something won't happen. But, you know, games get to that point and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, they're doing it. Final goal post achieved. Guess not. It's still not. got a little bit more. Uh, Going to go about adding another one, 21 days of development to the before they actually release. So, which sucks because they already had to put people into a mandatory overtime anyway that to get it to the November, its original release date. And now that's probably extending for the rest of the time too. So that's, you know, we've had this conversation a million yeah. times. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. And yeah, like you said in our discord, they should have just delayed it longer. Like you're yeah. all, you're not going to hit the release date of the consoles. Now quit trying to hit that benchmark, push it out until you give your employees a break, get the game out. Everybody who's going to play it anyway, is going to play it. anyway. They're, all, they're still going to play it. Like that's the thing. People are still going to play it. Uh, but anyways, the other game that got delayed, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like, Yes, it is a delay, but it doesn't have quite the same impact. Um, Bravely Default 2 was originally announced as a 2020 release. I actually don't think it ever had a hard release date. Every time I looked it up, it was just like, oh, 2020, 2020, winter 2020. And then just here again in that same partner direct uh, from Thursday of this week, they announced Wednesday of this week? I don't remember what it was. Yeah, uh, they like officially that. confirmed that it's not coming out in 2020. Its official release date is February 26th of 2021. Or worse yet, 2024. I'm just kidding. It is 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know what? That's not that big of a delay. Uh, and it looks like a great game. Um, they revealed a few of the different uh, asterisks that you can obtain through the game, which are your job classes. The Gambler, I think, is new. That was an interesting one. Uh, so I'm still really excited about it. And 
you know, I'm old now. Delays don't really bother me as much anymore. I can wait. <laughs> I've I was honestly <laughs> slightly relieved when to hear like Cyberpunk got because I was like, oh great, more time to like finish out some stuff because like I wanted now. I made the decision. I'm going to finally finish Ori and the Will of the Wisps before the end of the year. Hell yeah. And, and then let your best pal Mogan play it. Exactly. exactly. And uh, then I want. I was like, I kind of want to finish Odyssey before I play Valhalla. So like, this kind of like gives me a little bit more wiggle room to get into those things and finish them up before these next big round of games come out that I was looking forward to. So I honestly was like, oh, all right, cool. I don't feel as much pressure anymore. <laughs> yeah, you bought yourself some time by accident. <laughs> But then another thing before we jump to the, that I should have done earlier, but forgot, even though I have a note staring at me right here in the face, reminder, everybody, that we are doing Extra Life 2020 this year, next Saturday, November 7th. We're going to kick things off at 9 a.m. and then we're going to stream for a full 24 hours of gameplay goodness. Jesus. We're also going to be having a live episode where we will celebrate Team Chat's fifth anniversary. Mogan, we're my God. We're in kindergarten now. Is that right? when children start kindergarten? I actually don't know anything about children. I think so. I don't <laughs> yeah. know, actually. We're either. at least in kindergarten. <laughs> we might be in first grade. I literally yeah. don't know anything about kids. I, I forgot how old I was when I started how kindergarten. How old was I Fender even tell when you, you put him in kindergarten? Uh, he skipped school completely. He was oh. just already too smart. <laughs> they, they were like, application rejected. Your dog is we too don't smart want him. school. <laughs> But come and hang out with us next Saturday on November 7th. We're going to have a lot of fun. And as well as Mogan and I playing some games, we're going to have some fun guests on as well. My beautiful bride, Samantha, will be there. We're going to have Mogan's brother, Bro Mogan, will be making his return. Then we're going to have guests from Triple XP Podcasts, our friends from across the pond. And so we're that will be a lot of fun. international this year. Big time. And... Then our friends to the great north, Kirok and Roro from Canadia land are coming on. And then we'll also be joined on a, on a later day or even really throughout the whole month, but also be joined by streaming bud Camp the Boy. So Hell that yes. will be a lot of fun getting to see all those, uh, getting to play some games with all of them. Also, though, if you do want to help us in our goal of raising money. Uh, you can join our team and just, and therefore any donations you earn on your own will be added to our grand total. So if you want to do that, I'll be able to, I'll put the links and all that in the description across our social media. So people can join up and join our team if you want. So and just as a general reminder for anybody who's not aware, extra life is an annual streaming charity event that benefits mm -hmm. the children's miracle network hospitals. So right. our local hospital is Dell children's hospital. So 100% of those donations go to the hospital. Tragically, not to us, <laughs> you know, we we'd keep them if we could. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We wouldn't. No, <laughs> no, we'd make sure they get squarely into the hands of the children. That's so, what our uh, Patreon is for. <laughs> what our Patreon is for. So it's for a good cause, and obviously, we just have a we have a ton of fun doing it. Last year, um, the. Uh, Extra Life was hit by a terrible denial of service. No one was able to pay for a long, long time. But just a reminder, you can make a donation at any time. Uh, mm -hmm. Our Team Chat Extra Life page is already up. You can go there and make a donation right now if you want to. Yep. So even if you're not able to attend the stream on the day, you are still absolutely able to make a donation and help out the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Yep, indeed. So it's going to be a great time. Really looking forward to it. Going to be playing a lot of fun games. Since we hope to see you there again on November 7th. We're kicking things off at 9 a.m. Be going until November 8th, 9 a.m. So Kill me. <laughs> it only gets hard in those wee morning hours. That's when yeah, it's, it's, really it's the big push. And I promised that I would give Hollow Knight's Path of Pain another try. And you know what? 
if ever there were a great opportunity to have 10 hours of uninterrupted gameplay. That's it. (laughs) You can just go to bed, Jared. I'll just sit in your living room all night. That's how we'll do it. Oh, boy. But anyway, we're now going to jump into our review of Vampire. So, quick facts about this game. Vampire was first released on June 5th, 2018. was developed by Don't Nod Entertainment of Life is Strange fame. And also Saber Interactive, published by Focus Home Interactive, and it was designed by Florent Guillaume, and the composer was Olivier de Rivere. So, lots of uh, good stuff. And the plot for this game, really quick, taken from the from uh, Focus Interactive's website, is London, 1918. You are newly turned vampire, Dr. Jonathan Reed. As a doctor, you must find a cure to save the city's flu-ravaged citizens. As a vampire, you are cursed to feed on those you vowed to heal. Will you embrace the monster within? Survive and fight against vampire hunters, undead skulls, and other supernatural creatures. Use your unholy powers to manipulate and delve into the lives of those around you to decide who will be your next victim. Struggle to live, your, struggle to live with your decisions. Your actions will save or doom london so right off the bat i feel like we should perhaps address the elephant in the room uh i had this thought constantly while playing the game Mm -hmm. it takes place during the famed spanish flu yes which is constantly being compared to our current situation it was very odd playing through this game in our current time so i mean you know if if you if you aren't aware of what the spanish flu was you know it's it's obviously a strain of the flu that just ravaged you know a a big swath of the entire world and killed Mm -hmm. millions like a short ton of people right yeah i don't know the exact it was a lot (laughs) it was just a bunch of people it was just a bunch of people so it was an absolutely horrendous event that dictated the lives of people for years uh, or at mm-hmm. least a year uh and it's so funny playing through vampire now because you'll be going through london and there will be signs everywhere that are like quarantine area do not enter and there will be ones that like do not cough in public like cover your nose and it's like mm-hmm. wow this hits is, a little close to home it hits a little close to home and i really was sitting there thinking how lucky is don't nod that they didn't release this game a couple of years too late. Oh yeah. Like, like they that, would have had to push it. Like they would have like shelved it and been to like, come no. out in this year. It would have, it would have not been good. So it's yeah, like, would not have been good at a all. little too prophetic. <laughs> it's a little close. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, for a game that came out only two years ago. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's, it, it was definitely very weird and felt very odd a lot of the time because of the connotations to current time. I mean, one of the key points of the game is that you're helping out at a hospital that's being overwhelmed by the Spanish flu. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. hurts a little. It does. It Ouch. really does. So as typical with our reviews, we're going to recover first some of our like overall thoughts on gameplay mechanics and different things like that without getting into spoilers. And then near the after we kind of cover all those, we will jump into some story stuff where we will give you plenty of warning that we're going to be talking about some spoilers. We're not going to go beat by beat by beat through the story and rehash everything. But since this game does, it would. It really would. But since this game does rely heavily on the decisions that you make, we are going to be talking about some of those somewhat in-depth so yeah to begin what are kind of your overall impressions of this game so i will say straight off the bat 
I was pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, back when Vampire first came out, it was a somewhat hyped up game uh, to the extent that they even came out with a really fancy collector's edition, like box for your Xbox, mm. like this. Aw- th- that case is awesome. And oh, if I, I forgot had about money that. To, yeah, if I had had money to burn in an Xbox, I totally would have bought that thing because it was just really well made. Uh, so it had a lot of interest. And then I feel like it came out to very middling to negative reviews. Mm -hmm. Most of what I kind of just hearsay heard about Vampire was not very good, but I can't really remember any specifics about it other than, you know, maybe some of the gameplay was a little clunky. I don't know, but that's like every game ever. So I was really, (laughs) right. I was really interested to play Vampire, but then just kind of because of the damp response it got, kind of fell to the back of my mind and I wound up not picking up picking it up at launch or even after that I only picked it up when it was free on PS plus thanks Mm -hmm. PlayStation Uh, and playing through it I really kind of find myself sitting there going was all of that negative press justified like it's definitely not a perfect game but it seemed like I'm having a lot of fun I'm really enjoying it I will say also, I was pleasantly surprised at the beginning how much I was enjoying it. I even like when I got through after I when I got finished playing the first time, like my first session after I started, I tweeted. I was like, I just started playing Vampire and it's very much my jam because the setting for it is like it's, you know, it's 1918. I don't know what like era of London that technically is. I know it's not like industrial revolution or anything like that, but it just has this very like old England feel to it. Also, though, like late Victorian, yeah, I late think that Victorian. There's technically a different word for that, but I would describe it as tail end of the Victorian era. Okay, cool. We'll go with that. So that period in London, like it, it honestly kind of rang very similar to me in feel to the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes movies. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly you know? what you mean. Those kind are the of, only Sherlock feel... Holmes movies that I love. <laughs> They're, They're really so good. good. <laughs> They're really I good. love Guy Ritchie movies. <laughs> but uh, so I would say in a lot of ways, not only the atmosphere and kind of the overall feel, granted Sherlock Holmes doesn't have vampires, but then also the soundtrack sure is kind that? of like reminiscent of those movies too. Yeah. And just, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about that later. But so, and then due to its vampire subject matter and also taking place in London, and actually, even one of the districts that you're in is Whitechapel, which is a district that was very heavily featured in the outstanding and stellar game, The Order 1886. So it kind of was hitting with me on a whole lot of different things. And I was like, all right, cool. Maybe this isn't all bad, like all the reviews and everything were coming out saying when, when the game released. But, but throughout my gameplay... I, I feel like I did have like a lot of notes on things, which we'll talk about that were kind of like, this could have been better. This could have been better. And yeah. in fact, I will say halfway through, like, I think again, this is no spoilers, but chapter three, I almost was like, I don't know if I want to finish. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to the point that you're talking about because we both had that same experience. Yeah. Uh, but basically I, I agree with, almost everything you've said. I think that the reason I've been so pleasantly surprised is that coming into it, I had low to no expectations Mm -hmm. because it had been a long enough time that kind of everything I knew about it had been scrubbed from my brain. So coming back to it now, I think that it's just the right game at the right time for me because I love spooky games 
that don't necessarily have to be scary. They just have right. to have the right atmosphere. Oh, and this Vampire had great atmosphere. has the perfect October atmosphere. So for starters, obviously, you know, this isn't a spoiler. It's literally part of the game description. You're playing as Jonathan Reed, who is a newly turned vampire. Real quick, so, though, I, I, would, I just want to put a, a cap on my on my thought. The, the game does pick back up in the, yeah, to yeah. me in the later chapters. And I yes. was like really back into it and really engaged. I didn't, so I don't want people to already think like, Oh, so no, I don't want to play this. Cause if he's already want, if they both wanted to quit midway through, we'll, explain. we'll talk about some of those, those issues later, but no, the, the game does pick back up and gets really, really good in yeah. its second half. Uh, yeah. So basically you're a vampire, right? You're a newly turned vampire. Uh, some of the lore about, you know, general understood knowledge about vampires is different. In mm-hmm. in Vampire the Game, it's just a little bit tweaked. They kind of, you know, wanted to make it their own, which always kind of annoys me whenever different media are like, we're going to make werewolves, but they're going to be different werewolves. They're not your mom's werewolves. And it's like, bro, you don't have to mess with it. <laughs> they were fine as they were. So I kind of liked how its variations to vampire lore, though. I, I thought that it was, it was fresh. One of the things that annoyed me the most, though, was that they decide to like have vampires have a different word for themselves, which is ekon, E-K-O-N. Yeah. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> that was the one thing that I was just like, okay, now you've taken it too far. So the point is, some of the things differ and some of them stay the same. And one of the ones that stays the same is the sun will totally burn you to a crisp and kill you. Yep. So all of the game, 100% of it takes place exclusively at night. And no matter what day it is, no matter where you go, if you're outdoors, it is always night in London, raining. Mm -hmm. Uh, Particularly the fact that it is constantly raining. That like just clinched it for me. I was like, I was already getting kind of into it. And then when I started to realize the weather will never be different, it will always be night and it will always be raining. I was like, yes, my heart, this is what I wanted. (laughs) Dreary as hell, but it fits so well. It just has that oppressive, dreary atmosphere that you're like, this is what an atmospherically scary, again, air quotes, scary game should be. So the setting, I agree, is really interesting. I will say that I was pretty shocked at how expansive, like geographically, the game was. Mm -hmm. Again, I I didn't really know what to expect, but as I understand, you know, kind of my thinking about most single player, uh, you know, kind of carefully curated games... This one isn't exactly open world at all, but it's amazing how much space you do actually have to explore just all over the place. It Mm -hmm. actually takes quite a while to get from one end of the map to another, and it's all on foot. So I was just really shocked at how much there was to the map in general. Um, Because when you're looking at it, it doesn't feel that big. But then when you're playing on it, you're like, oh my God, that point is way over there. I really got to like huff it to get over there. And there were a couple of parts when I was like, man, you know what would be really great in this? A fast a travel fast system. A fast travel option. That's absolutely what I was going to say. So that's kind of one of my first little critiques is that even if it were something that you could only do once per day, I guess this might be a good point to kind of explain one of the more mechanical aspects of the game. So the game doesn't have a day-night cycle. It just has nights. Mm -hmm. So each time that you wake up from your vampiric rest, I guess, which is just in a normal bed. You don't get a coffin. No, not even a coffin. Very very lame. Uh, But anytime you wake (laughs) up from resting, it's obviously nighttime again. But to get 
back to your bed and rest again, you basically have to find any bed in the game to rest at. And then you sit on the bed and that allows you to upgrade your character Jonathan and all of his various abilities. So we'll talk more about what those abilities are later. But the point is when you sit at a bed and upgrade your tree, you then have to confirm your upgrades. And that process of confirming your upgrades is what triggers one day to end and the next day to begin. So if you want to actually upgrade, you have to rest at a bed, which forces you into the next night. And mm -hmm. that does actually have some ram ramifications for the game itself. So we'll talk about those a little bit more later. But the God, where was I going with this? Uh, just you were talking about day night cycle, just kind of oh, like we yeah. were just talking overall game like mechanics, the, the core yeah. mechanics of it. So, yeah, yeah, that is the big thing. The thing about this, though, and it does tell you this at the very beginning of the game. And obviously what the, the description of the game alludes to it too, that you have, you're a vampire. You're supposed to like feed on people and feed on blood, but you will throughout London, there are all these non-playable characters that walking around that you can interact with any of them. You could, once you reach the appropriate level for the character, embrace them and, and like drain them of blood that will have a consequence or an impact on the city at large or the district that, the, that you're in. But the game also tells you at the very beginning, the more people you kill, the easier this game is going to be. Yeah. So it kind of instantly sets up in your mind what kind of experience you want to have. Do you want to have a more pacifist run where you are more like, I don't want to eat other people. I want to only get as much blood as I have to from the enemies that I'm going to fight naturally. Or, you know, you can just go be like, screw it. I'm killing everybody and just, yeah. you know, go scorched earth on London and see where that gets you. So it's kind of interesting. So I will. Um, and so you can gain though your experience points to level up your abilities when you rest by in killing citizens. Well, that's the way to get them fastest. You can all, you yeah. also get it by completing missions, defeating enemies, finding collectibles, things like that. And, but the amount of experience points you'll get from these non-playable characters is related to the quality of their blood because these citizens, obviously there's this epidemic going around. People are sick to with various illnesses and you're a doctor. So you can make uh, vaccines or serums for our, these various illnesses. People might have like fatigue, headaches, anemia, bronchitis, bronchitis pneumonia. pneumonia, and you can give them to sick people, which will make them better which improves their blood quality and which then you makes can also them better for feasting upon. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of this, it's a very interesting dynamic and you can also up their blood quality by learning more about them, by talking to them and doing various investigations or side quests for these characters. So it really is a balance then of how you want to play, how violent, how much do you want to embrace the vampiric qualities of your character, which I have to then ask, how have you done it in your in your gameplay so far? What have you gone for? How many people have I killed? That's a good question. There have been so many, I really can't remember at this point. <laughs> That's not true. Um, I think I've only killed intentionally a small handful of NPCs. Uh, should I name them? Should I just go ahead and tell people who I Let's killed not... so that they'll well, be able to know later? That might be a little too spoilery for this part. It's no one that's a big spoiler, but we'll talk about it later. So I've killed maybe, maybe one, 
I think two or three. I think I've killed two or three actual citizens on purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk more about the non-purposeful one later. Uh, but I thought that the NPCs were one of the things that really made the game shine for me because it did give so much so much more depth to that leveling up system. So I, I think that at least through the first half of the game, I was kind of going through it like, man, I don't even have to kill citizens. This game is easy. Like mm-hmm. I was definitely having periods where I would die every now and then, but it was like, oh, well, I right. clearly just like F that combat, you know, streak up. That was my bad. But I never was at points, even against bosses or mini bosses where I was like, this isn't doable. I need to go level up somehow. It was just like, oh, I just need to upgrade my gear. Oh, I just need to bring a serum next time. And that's kind of where I left it. Up until about the halfway point in the game, and then it really actually made me understand, I gotta level up in a big way, and I need more XP than I can realistically get right now. So I really had to look at my roster of potential victims and go, who's next? Oh, yeah. I'm gonna kill. <laughs> so I, I, you might be going through the beginning of the game thinking, Psh, "This is easy. I don't have to kill anybody for this." Pacifist run, easy peasy. Up until a certain point. Uh, so the ways that you can get XP, just like Jarrett said, are many. But the quality of that XP is radically different. Like, for example, if you come upon three like low-level scrub enemies that you can fight in the streets, or even ones that are kind of like at your same level, mm-hmm. killing those enemies will probably only gain you anywhere from 10 to 15 experience points. And you need thousands, thousands. to upgrade your abilities. So even if you go around and kill every enemy within a given area, you may have only gained a couple hundred X experience points. Mm -hmm. The thing that I really like about it is combat, like on the ground, like normal combat doesn't get you much XP, but talking to the NPCs does. Like if you just go and introduce yourself to new NPCs in an area and go through their dialogue options and just chat with them, Mm -hmm. you can quickly rack up hundreds of experience points because talking to NPCs naturally gives you more XP. And I liked that it was weighted that way in that, hey, senseless killing in the streets, that's not what's going to get you XP. You either have to invest time into your NPCs and do side quests or you have to kill them. Like, Mm. those are your options. You either drag out, not drag out, you grind out the side quests, or you just start killing people, or maybe a little bit of both if you're trying to unlock a whole lot of abilities. So I found that there was much more depth to that system than I initially thought there would be, for sure. Right. And I think I only wound up killing two. Oh, only two? And you? Yeah. So we should preface this by saying I haven't finished the game, but we're going to be talking about all of it. You're within uh, the like. I'm so close. The last ten percent um, of the game. I definitely think I struggled more than you did, Jared. You were always like one step ahead of me, pretty much throughout the entire game, and it wasn't for lack of playtime. Like I've been playing it constantly. It's on right now in the background. I, know, I, could, I could see it. I, know, I recognize the menu on behind yeah. you. So I'm literally like, I've been enjoying it. I've been funneling hours into it. It's just that I'm, maybe it's just not the kind of game that I excel at, or maybe it's just that the combat is a little clunky and it just doesn't quite click with me. But I've definitely been hung up, I think, longer than you on certain parts of the game. So one of the parts that we alluded to earlier, where we both were kind of like, oh, screw this. This is like, I might be done with this. Is you, I think the moment where we both ran into, oh, we have to go kill people. 
and because yeah. like, and you can't, I think that was the moment for us. And if you play this game, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, but I think that was the moment where I kind of had like what frustrated me about, about the game at that point was I was like, it can't decide what it wants to be in the sense that let me get my notes so I can make sure that I say this how I want. And to. while you do that, I do want to make one note about what it takes to kill a citizen. Mm-hmm. You have this separate stat called mesmerize. So as a vampire, you're able to mesmerize normal humans. So if you're going to kill somebody, you go up to them, you mesmerize them, you basically guide them into a dark alley, and then you kill them there because you can't just kill them out in public. Most NPCs Mm -hmm. are just hanging around busy streets. So your mesmerize has levels to it. And you gain mesmerize levels typically like through story beats in the game. So you will encounter NPCs that are a level five mesmerize when you're only a level two. So there absolutely are NPCs that you're like, I would kill you right now if I could, but I don't have the mesmerized level. Mm -hmm. And there's really no way to increase your mesmerize except for progressing through the story. So you may want to kill someone because you need that XP and they're the target you want, but you can't because they're too advanced for you. And all of your other NPCs are people you like and that you don't want to kill. Right. So wait, I will, while you were talking, I remembered. I killed only one person that was not quest-related. Ooh, I killed at least two people that weren't okay. quest-related. Then there were a I'm couple a that, were quest, that were quest-related that, that I chose to kill. Not only did um, I kill two people that I wanted to kill, there's, there's at least two more on my list that I'm like, I'm coming, like, I'm, I'm I'm coming back for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so my point was, I was very, at that point, I got very frustrated because it's like, I don't know what this game wants me to do. I was really trying to play the game peacefully because I'm like, I'm a doctor. I'm not like my whole life at this point as Jonathan Reed has been to save people. Granted, yes, my life is drastically different now and I have this thirst for blood. But you know that like even from like the voice lines, Jonathan says, which, side note, the actor who played Jonathan, Anthony Howe, was fantastic. He did a Jonathan. great job. And um, you can tell in his voice lines to himself and in, in internal dialogue, he wants to fight this. And so I was kind of like, cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play into that and not really succumb to it. But I hit this point and I was like, okay, the game can't decide what it wants. Does it want to give you the freedom to be able to play this completely pacifist or is it going to make you uh, you know, turn to your vampire instincts and force you into that because the only options are you're at this point. Do you want to then leave this boss battle that, because that was kind of the thing you can go to these boss battles and you can start these boss fights. And then if you can't beat them, you can leave. It's not like you're locked in there. You can leave and go do other stuff around the city and come back. So I was like, I'm here. I'm in this fight. I can't beat this boss. But so now, even though I've tried to go past this, I can either go out and eat one person and get enough to level up, or I have to spend potentially an hour, if not more, grinding through side quests to do it. And I was just like, okay, I understand the options are there, but the balance to entice me for a pacifist versus an all-out violent run, the balance was off, I felt like, in in the early stage. It, I, I kind of see what you're saying, but I felt like that was kind of the point. Mm. So I, I definitely, I was super frustrated at that same part of the game. That boss was 
brutal, but I actually took the other route. So at this chapter three boss, um, I also couldn't beat this boss. So I left and rather than kill anybody, cause I didn't have anybody available to me to kill that I wanted to kill. Yeah. I just went back and did a bunch of side quests, just like I kind of touched on earlier because I had a bunch of unfinished ones. And I will say it took a while. It took maybe one to two hours. Again, I'm very slow and I like derp around a lot and talk to everybody. So it definitely took more time out of my day, literally, mm -hmm. but it didn't really bother me because after I did that and came back, I had a much easier time. So yes, it was kind of annoying, but I felt like that was the point is that yeah. you're supposed to have this internal struggle of, do I take the easy way out or the hard way out? So yeah, it's annoying, but I, I get it. I, I see why they made it that way. That is where I was like, because I knew we were trying to get this this review done and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's like, like if we had had more time. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have been fine. But no, I, w I took the easy way out and I went and killed somebody immediately. Oh, and that was the one person non-quest related Jared. that I killed. You monster. You but see, then I felt bad. <laughs> then I felt bad and I didn't do it again. <laughs> so. see, the, the crazy thing is, is I know from, because Jared and I were, you know, going back and forth texting about this game pretty much the whole time we played it. Yeah. And when I was fighting this chapter three boss, I think I was actually a few levels ahead of you. And mm -hmm. we were both still having a huge amount of trouble. So I had already killed two people and I was still struggling. So it's yeah. like, I either didn't invest my XP wisely or I'm just trashed here with this game <laughs> which uh, speaking of investing the xp another great benefit that i will say you cannot i don't think earn enough xp to unlock and totally level up every ability that you have at your disposal yeah I don't but think you, can you can when you're going choosing to rest and you're in that menu you can choose to reset everything and reallocate your points so yeah. that was kind of nice because there are yeah. multiple different abilities there are different ultimate attacks that you can use and so being able to change your your choices, I think, your was loadout. nice. Yeah, your loadout was, was, really, was really nice. nice. Um, since we're kind of talking about combat, before we jump into more of the some other things, let's talk about the combat real fast. Because it is, you can use either a like sword, knife kind of weapon, and you can combine that with an offhand weapon, be that like another club or even a firearm, a like scalpel. a shotgun or pistol, a scalpel. Yeah, because your weapons, you can... Your offhand weapon will hit, will cause you to stun your enemies. And when you were able to lower their stun bar to zero, they fall to the ground. Then you can bite them to fill up your blood bar, which is what you use to be able to perform your, your vampire abilities. abilities. Right. And, and it can heal you too if you so choose to upload, to upgrade that specific skill tree, which I did. I, I maxed mine out whenever I bought, I bit people where I was getting hella health back um and so i think that was really well done you could also then use some two-handed weapons which would give you the ability to parry some attacks which would then auto stun like if you could parry, get the timing of the parry just right it would stun the enemy completely and you could go ahead and bite them but it also used way more stamina to swing around this big heavy weapon to use which i think we both were pretty solid on the two-handed weapon oh at the God. beginning the but then i switched were excellent so i used the two-handed weapons uh my favorite was the the mace the good yeah. mace i went and so that's actually part of what i did to beat that level three boss is i got on reddit and I was like, who else had trouble with this fight? And somebody was like, oh, if you go to XYZ location, you may have missed it, but there's a good mace in there. Which weapons, we should say, have different levels of upgrade as well. There's like mm -hmm. the okay one, 
the kind of good one, the good one, the excellent one. There's basically five levels for every weapon. Basic, okay, good, great, awesome. And then you can modify them too with each upgrade to either give you like more damage, more stun, less stamina, things like that. Fire damage. They can do Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. So the way that you uh, are able to upgrade your weapons is throughout the game, they're just items sprinkled all over the place, like trigger parts, handle parts, uh, medicine components, obviously. We mentioned that you have to craft medicines to be able to heal people. So some of those parts don't become available until later in the game. So for example, I needed good parts to be able to upgrade my favorite uh, cudgel. It was like the barbed cudgel or something. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there were no good parts because I hadn't progressed to that stage in the game where merchants will sell you good quality parts. But as it turned out from Reddit, there was this weapon out in the wild that was already rated good, which at the time was the best available weapon. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to do a bunch of side quests, go get this good mace, and then come back. And that's exactly what I did, and that's how I beat that boss. But then after that, I think we both kind of had that same point where after this boss we realized actually there's some other pretty cool weapons out there and if you pair a a one-handed hacksaw with your handgun you can Mm -hmm. actually do some pretty cool stuff because i will say that the combat was another area that i was really surprised by i wasn't expecting as many options like i was expecting the kind of vampiric powers but not how many there were and how much different stuff they did like there's a pretty basic one whereas oh you're a vampire now you have really sharp claws so you can just kind of like claw people and it does a bunch of damage or you can do like a summon these little shadow tendrils move that just kind of hurts people and knocks them off their balance you can summon uh what's you can you can like yeah, blood spear. I never got blood spear to work. I honestly wanted my blood spear. Well, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you what's your, what was your what's your loadout? My loadouts. That's were, not spoilery, so we can say we no. Can it's share not that. spoilery. Uh, obviously, autophagy. That's the one where you um, heal yourself by basically yep, hurting yourself. Too. So Jonathan will claw his own self to then use his own blood to heal himself. So you do spend blood to heal your health, but that's fine. You usually need it. So I had autophagy. I had the claws. I loved like doing three quick uh, whacks with my mace and then finish somebody off with the claws because it's really fast. It's like one, two, three claws, they're dead. Mm. So claws, autophagy, uh, the shadow, whatever it's called, like shadow strike, it's the more basic of the shadow weapon, uh, shadow moves. Like the, just the spring where you will cover a no, distance? No, not spring. Oh, no, not spring, spring is very helpful though. Uh, the one that's just like, it's not the ultimate attack. It's not abyss. It's the lower level version of that. I'm where like sure. you summon a small like wave of shadows from underneath somebody and it just kind of oh, explodes out. I saw people use it against me, but I don't know if I've so seen that. So you never used it. Yeah, the uh-uh. other vampires that you meet in the game will use it against you, which yeah. blew my mind when that happened. I was like, brother, why? They'll use all <laughs> these the attacks same, against you, and I. which is interesting, which is really yeah. fun to fight against. It's fascinating. Um, so I did also use Spring, though. Spring okay. and the Shadow, whatever it was, those were my main ones. Spring doesn't really do any notable damage but it covers distance rapidly, which did you upgrade it a bunch? Oh, I upgraded spring. Really? You upgraded spring? So here was my loadout real quick. I used the, I used, um, autophagy as well to heal myself. Blood spear as my offensive one. Then I had the barrier, like the one to be the defensive barrier. I haven't even unlocked blood barrier one. 
I never yeah, bothered. so I used I used Blood Barrier one Blood Barrier Spring and then Blood Cauldron as my ultimate. Ooh. But I upgraded like how much damn how much I would heal myself by biting. I would upgraded how much damage Me I would too. do by biting. I upgraded spring where it would do like 200 damage when I landed on somebody. And oh, then I would do. Did you choose the one that did stun damage upon land or like area of effect damage? Area of effect damage. Oh, okay. Because that's what, and then I compared that with, I, I paired that with my, with the shield one. I Ooh. upgraded it enough where when it is destroyed, it does damage. So I'm just oh. a area of effect powerhouse wow we took really different approaches and so it gets so that is the thing i will say the the blood cauldron too as the ultimate that's the one we both used right well i actually used all three of the different um ultimates to more or less greater effect blood cauldron and abyss are my two favorites we should see i never switched Ooh, you never I use this I use the same loadout the whole game. So this is something that's kind of important to note for the gameplay is that enemies that you fight, including bosses, have different resistances. Mm-hmm. So they can be resistant to melee damage, ranged damage, which is your uh, your guns, uh, blood damage, which is one faction of your vampire powers, or shadow damage, which is another part of your vampire powers. So each of your vampiric abilities will either be pure damage, just regular melee damage blood or shadow so dependent upon who i was going up against i was like well what are they resistant to if they're resistant to shadow i'm going to use blood cauldron if they're resistant to blood i'm going to use abyss so Mm. i actually changed my loadout quite a bit especially with the ultimates because one of the strategies i would use is come in hot like start off with the ultimate take off as much damage as i could straight away and then just go in claws and cudgel a blazon and just do a bunch of melee damage well, because the 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 ultimates take like ninety nine seconds to recharge. They take, yeah, they a, take long a long time. time. So if you use an ultimate in a fight, you're probably not going to get it back. Like at the yeah. speed that most fights go, you're probably not going to get two in one unless you're in just taking small, a really long time in smaller encounters, like yeah, on the street. Yeah. Bosses you it, can get a few times. For sure. um, I really, I really wasn't impressed with the combat. I thought it was really fun to do the. I will say I had a lot of issues with the parry ability of the two-handed weapons. Parry it seemed very really unreliable. Tricky. Yeah. Like sometimes it was like I hit the time, I hit the button at the same time as I did five other times before, but that time it didn't work for some reason. Yeah. And so like that was a little annoying. So I honestly, later in the game, I switched off of that and stuck with a a like an offhand weapon and then like a, a truncheon to just like stun the shit out of people because wow. like it was I just upgraded them all to level five and then I was like bashing people left and right and then with my big area of effect attacks abilities that I had I was able to be pretty like pretty deadly which I will say a lot of games sometimes I feel like where they give you these where you're supposed to be this big badass you don't you kind of already get that feeling right off the bat. I feel like at the beginning, because you are having the lower level difficulty and stuff like that, I feel like this game did a really good job if at the beginning of the game, you feel like you're learning the ropes, but by the end of the game, oh my god, I felt powerful, and it was awesome. So... I think it had a lot of good stuff going for it. There were a couple, like, yeah, sometimes it felt a little clunky, because it's like, that guy's attack reached way farther than it should have, or yeah, something. Yeah, it's you like know. I don't think that should have connected. What's yeah. the box on that? Um, the only other really bad thing I would say about the combat, and kind of just a, a, a knock, I would say against the game overall, is that it is very repetitive in the yeah. in how in the 
opponents that you face. Basically, you can you travel this map a ton, but everywhere that you fought somebody, you will always fight somebody there again, and they yeah. will always be the same composition of enemies that you're fighting. And they'll fighting. always be in the same spot, too, because most yeah. enemies have like a little circuit that they'll walk, but you know what that circuit is because it is worth noting. For some people, they really hate this type of game where you have to do a lot of backtracking. Yeah. yeah, this is a game where you have to do a lot of, okay, lot you start here, go here, go there, go there, go back here, go back there again, go back over there again. So there's a lot of backtracking, and eventually you just know the area so well, you know exactly where every enemy is going to be. So I can agree with that being pretty repetitive um, to mm -hmm. the extent that, you know, enemies aren't really worth anything in terms of XP. Uh, really, the only reason to kill enemies, at least for me in the later game, is money. They drop a little bit of money. Uh, or materials. Because, right. for example, um, vampire enemies in particular, either vampires or monsters or skulls, they will actually drop materials most of the time that you can use to craft serums to heal yourself. Right. So they actually kind of have the more valuable drops. Whereas humans... They might drop bullets if you're lucky, but not much. Right. Uh, so I feel like that's a pretty good overview of like the mechanics and the things of the game. So I think we'll jump into some story stuff now. Um, so who'd you kill? Forewarned <laughs> everybody. Spoilers are starting now. We're Again, we're not going to rehash everything, but we are going to be talking about key points of the game, key uh, events that we that held impact to us. Plus, maybe giving a little bit more background into this. Uh, chapter three fiasco that we're talking that we've been referring to, but great you chapter three debacle. <laughs> <laughs> You've been warned. Spoilers are beginning now. Um, so yeah, I, the story for me really did not take off and be like, like I really enjoyed it at the beginning. Chapter three was just a slog. You had to fight two really hard bosses and Fergal, Ugh. Fergal Benji. Mm. I mean, I mean now hard. I look, I look back on Fergal now, and I'm like, oh my god, it was so easy in comparison yeah. to Mary. Mary oh. was the first vampire you fight, and oh, she was Mary. ridiculously powerful. So something like we, that's important to the story to note is big spoiler right here. So at the yeah. very beginning of the game, Jonathan wakes up having just been turned into a vampire in a mass grave. You know, the premise is that he supposedly got killed. They don't know why, by what, but it's plague times. So they toss his body into a mass grave. He's a vampire. Now he wakes up. He has that insatiable thirst for blood. The first human being he encounters turns out to be his own sister. But in his blind need for blood, he doesn't recognize her until it's too late. He, he kills her. Yeah. You think. So the first couple of chapters are him, you know, kind of trying to deal with the death of his sister and how it's his fault. There's a lot of guilt there. And then in chapter three, you actually attend her wedding. You attend your not wedding, her funeral. <laughs> what was I saying? You attend her own funeral, which is like a very sad scene. Your mother is there, but you can't really interact with her because you're a vampire now. You're trying to stick to the shadows and all that. Uh, but then towards the end of chapter three, because each chapter is broken into little mini arcs. There will be mm -hmm. like arc one, arc two, arc three, arc, arc four of the same chapter. So in the final arc of chapter three, turns out that slew of weird murders that's been going on just kind of all around Whitechapel and Pembroke. Uh, that was Mary. Uh, she's not dead. You yeah. buried her, but then she woke up as a vampire herself and tunneled out and she is pissed off at you. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I found 
this was one of the few things about the game that I thought was really mismatched. Uh, I get that they were trying to make Mary to be very villainous, but based on what you know of her personality from Jonathan, it seemed like they really blew her personality to a proportion that I found really unbelievable yeah. in that she was now this crazed mass murderer because she was mad at you. Like she wasn't literally psychotic in that you couldn't talk to her and hold a conversation. You could, mm -hmm. she was still very much in her right mind, but she just kind of went into this killing spree. And I found that really unbelievable, especially in that she was about to kill your, your own shared mother. And I yeah. was like, I don't buy that. Like, like I, I got that it was very dramatic, but I just found it so unbelievable given her character that I was like, yeah, I don't, like I, I get it. I get what you're trying to set up, but I don't buy it. So that kind of annoyed me. And then of yeah. course there was the fight itself. Fight itself was just because she unleashes attacks that you've never done. She hits really hard and it's she just, hits it was a lot of new all at one yeah. time. And that was really hard to get. And so that's why I think that part was so frustrating. I was just like, I already could see the game's tendencies because like, yes, even though you have to do these in-depth investigations and it is a very big part of this game, how much you have to talk to other people. I was like, there is so much talking and just like going, you know, it's like almost, I think too much. Like yeah. it was and and like how much you would have to not only go talk to one person, but then go back to this other person and talk to them, then go back to this person, and talk to them. And I'm like, if this is how this is where I felt like I was saying, I felt like the game kind of lost its way and what it was wanting to be because I was just like, give me a reason to not go crazy, but yeah. and, and kill everybody to level up to, to make progress in this game or else you're forcing me into just hours of monotonous fetch quest stuff. And that's I what I was like. That is a little grating to me. Yeah, um, I understand. I do feel like it would have been perhaps a better approach if there had been a, maybe just a few, like a couple fewer NPCs per area mm -hmm. or. Cause there were like that, what? 10 each one. Yeah. There were about 10 in each area. It was a lot. Or that they had taken a slightly different approach of making like maybe a smaller handful of community members way more important mm -hmm. and then there's these other community members that maybe aren't quite such a big deal and right. thereby don't have as much dialogue or quests i think a little bit more separation there would have been a nice touch yeah. uh, i i agree that for certain npcs especially if you're just trying to get to a save point you just want to upgrade your abilities you're so done like i would come across new npcs sometimes and i was like you know what i don't have time to talk to you i just right. literally don't i will i come don't want to have to have another like 10 minute conversation with yeah you. they're long yeah. so i definitely got that you can actually speed up the uh dialogue though so it's worth noting that yeah but like clicking through with like square up. or whatever but then yeah. it's also like what if i miss something it's you know in some of the re more repetitive questions and phrasing i would i would yeah. try to skip especially later on but also like i feel like a game shouldn't make you want to skip the dialogue so yeah. that's kind of a thing where i was like mm, all right uh, that being so said, even, though, it should be mentioned that the game gave equal importance in terms of its voice acting quality to every NPC. Yeah, yeah. They were all voice acted with every single line. Mm -hmm. Every last line that they said was voice acted, which I was astonished by that yeah. they had that much dialogue and it was all voice acted. That's incredible to me. It was really good. I mean, it was very much like a, like an RPG, like, a, you know, like a, in, in that 
I mean, if the game is an RPG, but I mean, like in the sense of something bigger of scale, like Dragon Age or something or The Witcher, uh, with how much voice acting there was in this is what you would expect. Um, what were some of the, cause you know, obviously what we talked about at the beginning, a lot of this too is revolving around your interactions and your relationships with these people in the community. And a lot of the quests will focus on the pillars of these districts, the main person in charge Yeah. in what you've played. Were there any that the outcome was different than what you intended? So first of all, quick question, who'd you kill to beat Mary? Oh, who, who, who? Joe Peterson in Whitechapel. No, you killed Joe Peterson. Yeah. He has a son. I didn't figure that out until after I killed him. <gasps> oh no. And his son is really <laughs> nice. And he I didn't was re- just a boxer out of work. I didn't. Oh, Jared. Yeah. I actually really like Joe Peterson. You're a monster. <laughs> he gives you an he gives you a better two-handed spite cudgel, though. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, I killed, who did I kill? I killed Clay Cox. He was like, okay, the first see, he was on my I list. Murdered. So the game actually sets Clay Cox up to be your first kill, mm-hmm. but then you can totally back off from that. Which so I initially, did. yeah, initially I backed off from it, but then I got to know him and I was like, oh my God, he is a scumbag. I should have killed see, him. Clay and Joe were of the same, they were the same uh, gang, the wet boot boys. They work for the <laughs> same the gang. the dumbest gang name it is ever. Such a, it's such a dumb. <laughs> name uh they were from the same gang but it's worth noting clay cox is the leader of that gang joe peterson is just a lowly enforcer so i had no qualms about killing clay and i'm coming for his wife too because he has a wife and i'm gonna kill her oh yeah i met her (laughs) yeah um but Uh, yeah so so i I had to go with joe peterson but so like of the of the like the the pillars that you've interacted with was there any that went wrong because there I, were a couple that went wrong for me that I was like, that was not my intention. Yeah, I And super, another reason why I got frustrated with the game. I absolutely effed up poor Nurse Crane. Did same. you have the same experience? Same. Oh my God. I did. So here's, here's what happens. So the very first community pillar that you really have to interact with at this level is Chapter 2's Nurse Crane. Dorothy Crane. She's actually from uh, Romania, I think it mm-hmm. is. And she's been fleeing the violence in Romania. So her and a big population of Romanians have emigrated to Britain for their own safety. But they're not really welcome in London because the British are notoriously jerks to new people. So they're kind of off in Whitechapel, which is really run down, full of crime. Everyone is sick. Everyone is dying. The police never come. There are no doctors. So Nurse Crane, she technically works at Pembroke Hospital, but then she runs her own under the table clinic mm-hmm. over in Whitechapel. So she cares for people for free. She's just out there, you know, using her own medicines and her own procedures to care for the members of her community who are being underserved by London at large. So she's the community pillar in Whitechapel. So the crux of this um, conflict is Lady Ashbury, who is the one of the first vampires you meet. She's a female vampire. She's a real, like, notable member of the community. Most people obviously don't know that she's a vampire, and she's known for being very philanthropic. So she's mm-hmm. a wealthy, philanthropic, West Ender Londoner. She tells you at the start of chapter two that she's being blackmailed by someone and that she can't really, you know, meet the blackmailer's demands. So she asks you to go investigate who's blackmailing me, and then to do something about it. Right. So as it turns out, XYZ thing happens, Nurse Crane is the blackmailer. She's been blackmailing uh, uh, Lady Ashbury to get money to run her dispensary. 
So I don't know how Nurse Crane figured out that Lady Ashbury was a vampire, but whatever. Yeah. Or that she's just, you know, a murderer in general. I, I guess she doesn't really have to know the method. But so when you confront Nurse Crane about the blackmail, the game gives you a couple of different, like, I think three different options for what you can do with her. You can either let her go and just say, okay, I'm not going to turn you in. I'm not going to do anything about the blackmail, but you have to resign from the Mm -hmm. hospital. Or you can mesmerize her to make her forget that anything has happened. Or option number three, you can kill her. You can just embrace her and kill her right then and there. I'm willing to bet that you picked the same option I did of, oh, I'll just mesmerize her. I'll just make her forget that this ever happened. Yep, that's exactly what I did. Because that seemed like the better option. It seemed like the better option because you don't want her to get off scot-free. You're trying to help Lady Ashbury, but you can't just, you know, leave her here unattended. You have to do Mm -hmm. something. So you mesmerize her. But you didn't want to kill her because she's doing good. Yeah, she's doing good. Turns out mesmerizing somebody at that extent destroys their mind. So this, you know, really perturbed me because if I had known it was going to turn out this way, I wouldn't have done it. I would have exactly. done something else. I would have done the other thing. I would have just said, okay, hey, look, I'm watching you. Don't do this anymore, but I'm going to let you keep doing your yeah. own thing. But like, that's what I mean. That was another part where I was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I was pretty annoyed about that too, because when you, so here's the thing, you don't kill her outright. You mesmerize her, you destroy her mind. But then when you come back later, the dispensary has t- fall fallen to ruin and she's literally gone insane. And if you go upstairs and try to interact with her, she'll attack you. She's, yeah, become, she's a skull. She's become a low level enemy. So you have to kill her, but it's not like a real boss fight. She basically becomes a mini boss and you kill her without getting any of the blood benefits. You don't get to actually get like the blood XP if you had killed her at the start mm-hmm. and without helping the community because you've killed their community pillar for no reason. And it's like, oh, that hurts. What were the What were the consequences of that with the community the, for you? Uh, what did happen? I, I think I just took a big hit on like the community's stabilization level because each community has like critical, serious, stable, healthy, sterile. So ever since then, Whitechapel has consistently been on the brink between serious and critical. And critical stage is like, shit's going bad. NPCs will be hostile towards you. It is bad news. So you desperately want to keep a community out of critical, ideally in sterile. I haven't gotten mm-hmm. any community there yet. So it I got was Pembroke to sterile once. Oh, nice. Um, but so, so here's what happened to me. I go confront her to the exact same thing, mesmerize her thinking it's better, but this is still early on and I was still just like trying to like push through the main story stuff. So I hadn't done a whole lot yet of like healing people and like giving them medicines and different stuff like that. So I go help nurse crane or mesmerizer go back later. She's a skull. I'm like, Oh shit, this is bad. So I kill her, go home or go to a hideout rest, feeling terrible about myself. The screen, like summary screen at the end pops up the whole, it fell into hostile, the whole white chapel district. Everybody fucking died. You're kidding me. No. And I was pissed. Oh I my was God. Rate because I was so mad that I, that the game had tricked me into choosing to wipe her oh, memory. No. And then the whole district died. I cannot believe that. 
So that is why I was very conscious about healing people, especially after I killed Nurse Crane. I was like, I even done it to a couple people. I had like healed a couple people and helped with their investigations, but it literally wiped out the whole district. Oh my! I I didn't even know that was an option. That I didn't either until it happened, and I was so mad. Dude, I gotta try that now. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta Um, do it now. (laughs) I had a similar thing, you know. Yeah, I was I was not happy about that because I was just like, really. This is oh, what I meant. This damn. is this is what kind of led credence to my argument of like, what is this game wanting me to do? Yeah, because right Jesus. now I made what I thought was the right decision and I'm getting punished for it big time. And that Ooh, is I did not yeah. like. Um, but then I, after I that, I did that. like that push. Sucks. <laughs> I did push more to like be healing people and do things like that. And I think that's what also helped my late game be better. But I ran into the same thing and I accidentally chose the wrong option for Sean Hampton, too. Ooh, what'd you pick for Sean? Same thing. I spare. I I chose not to mesmerize. I just like spared him, and then I just you said, didn't... "Okay, cool. You're doing like I understand. You're kind of a little weird, but you're also like helping the whole community. That's cool. We need all the help we can get. So I chose to just spare him and walk away. Well, turns out then he just like goes completely nuts and locks <sighs> up his whole stuff and like and starts a cult. Oh like, my god! No kidding. We had really different experiences. Like, Dude, so, with Sean Hampton. <laughs> Who, this was something that was interesting. Sean Hampton actually happens in the same chapter that Mary does, mm-hmm. which I found a little unusual, but I guess he is, he's the community pillar of chapter yeah. three. So that it does make sense, but it was a lot packed into one chapter. So Sean Hampton is this priest that you save at the very beginning of the game. And then you take back to Pembroke hospital with you to recover. Cause he was attacked by a skull, a low level vampire. So you bring him back to the hospital. It seems like he's on the mend. And then in chapter three, there's this big ruckus. It is believed that Sean Hampton has become a skull and murdered one of the other patients at the hospital and then made a run for it. So you, as Jonathan Reed, you obviously know that he's a skull. Other people don't know that. They just think he's gone crazy. So you're supposed to go after him and do something about him. So when you find him at his, uh, his like night... What do they asylum? call it? Night asylum? asylum. Yes, his night asylum. Uh, he basically does, he cares for the sick and the poor and the down on their luck. So when you find him, he's very much a skull, but he still has his mind. Like, he And he's saying like, he's not going to eat people. He's only yeah, going to eat people who are already dead. Yeah. He says like, he's going to so, eat dead flesh because skulls yeah. aren't exactly vampires. They can just eat the flesh of corpses to sustain themselves. They don't mm. have to kill to survive. So he says that he's going to keep running his night asylum. And then there are three options. You can, of course, let him go scot-free. You can kill him or you can do the third option of making him drink your blood. So by forcing him to drink Jonathan's blood, it actually heals him from being insane like he's oh is that what you chose yeah so i chose to give him my blood but it's so funny the game frames that part as like you're doing the wrong thing it's like you're forcing him to drink your blood he's clearly not happy about it you leave and then in my playthrough mary actually mentions in the fight with her you forced sean hampton to kneel like a dog and i was like wow i feel kind of bad about that But that's the good ending for Sean because I went back later and he's like healed and he's like, you know what? I didn't like it at the time, but thank you for what you did. So he, that's the good ending. He just totally stabilizes. He's still a skull, (laughs) right? So I I get what you're saying about it being really hard to get a read on 
am I doing the right, the air Mm -hmm. quotes, the right thing? Uh, So I I get where you're coming from. I was like, oh, I feel like I really did the wrong thing there. And then I came back later and I was like, oh, never mind. I totally made the right choice. Good for me. So, the, yeah, that part was frustrating. And then you go right after those two things. I can't believe you into, killed all of Whitechapel. That is I can't hysterical. Either. <laughs> I can't either. I was trying to be the good guy in all of this. And no, that, that just backfired so big funny. time. That's something but, I would do. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I feel like that really set up the first half. That's why I was like, I might be done. Because then you run into Mary and I'm just like, okay, this game just wants you to embrace murdering everybody. That's what it wants. And that's yeah. not how I want to play this. And I feel very pigeon hold into this and this is how it wants me to do it so that's why i was like no i'm not gonna do this but then i got through it and to the game's credit chapters four through the end so good the like they add in new flares they added new twists uh and some things which some you haven't got quite to yet so i don't want to talk about those and it really like the last couple few chapters of it and last couple hours of the game i was like oh man this is really really good add so on to I that the, the, my to combat Okay. Okay. So yeah. Who, so you just had the fight in the theater. I just killed Doris Fletcher. Thank God for the handguns. Just by happy accident, I had a fully upgraded handgun. It helped so much. I see. I I never used handguns at all. So normally they're so useless because they don't do that much damage. But turns out if you just pump tiny bullets into Doris Fletcher the whole time and then occasionally come in for a few good hits and then maybe get one ult off, it totally works. Uh, Once I actually used the handgun, it was such an easy fight. And I was like, oh my God, I should have done this way sooner. See, that makes sense though, because I was using Bloodspear very effectively against her because I was able to keep the distance. Yeah, you need those ranged weapons. And I hated Bloodspear. I never used that. Oh, I loved it so much. But I I will say of the whole game, having finished it, there were harder fights, I would say. Like Mary's fight is, I would say, harder than Doris's. Oh yeah, Uh, for sure. But... Doris was my favorite boss of the whole game. She was a really fun boss. So she's one of the ones who she's an actress from London, like a very famous actress. No one's really seen her in a while. And as it turns out, she's the first source of the infection in the West End. And Mm -hmm. by infection, we don't mean the Spanish flu. We mean the scowl infection, the vampire infection. Because one of the running plot lines of the game is, hey, turns out that thing that you thought was just the Spanish flu It's totally not. not. It's some sort of Spanish flu slash skull hybrid. So when people are getting the flu, they're also getting this vampiric low-level infection. And Mm. in Doris's case, it like caused her to totally mutate on one side of her body. She really did become a monster. And because of that, she's, you know, going to decide to take everybody down with her. So she's yep. been intentionally infecting other people. So you obviously have to go and fight her and deal with her. Uh, yeah. The fight is also one of the few that I've encountered where she called other scowls to help her in the fight, which I thought was really interesting. Yep. I think for those reasons, that's why it was good. Because, yeah, she has a really varied moveset. It, like she has that quintessential like halfway point. Things are different. But then she also calls on the minions, and then the music in that fight is very good. And it takes like place really in a fast, theater. like frenzied yeah. strings that it's it just like very in intense. Theater, it's yeah. really cool. It's a it's fun a really fight. it's a good spot. Um, I didn't really have many more story notes to hit that wouldn't be spoilery to you. Do you well, have so any that you wanted I'll, to talk about? I'll tell you the last thing I just did because I don't know how it's going to go. Okay. So one of the other running lines in Vampire is there are these warring factions of people who either are vampires 
or know about vampires. So one of the key uh, players in the game, Dr. Swansea, he's the mm-hmm. director of the Pembroke Hospital. He's the one that finds Jonathan in the pers- first place and gives him a job at the hospital. So he's your good friend. He's also a member of these people called the like St. John's Brotherhood Stole. of St. Paul's Stole. The Brotherhood of St. Paul's Stole. Another stupid name, but whatever. <laughs> so the Brotherhood is basically this group of people who are mortals that know about vampires and they just want to learn more. They're very much like scholarly academics. They want to learn as much as they can about vampires, mm-hmm. maybe even get to know them a little bit better on like a person, maybe go on a date with them. You never know what can happen. <laughs> so they're kind of like the just sort of scholars out of the way. They're doing research. Then there's this other faction called the Guard of Prewin. And the Guard of Prewin are mortals who are dedicated to eradicating all vampires. They're vampire hunters. Mm-hmm. It's their whole deal. So the Guard of Prewin are very much your your quintessential bad guys. Right. At least from Jonathan's perspective. They're the human enemies that you interact, the that you have to fight. Enemies. Absolutely. Uh, so then there's this other faction called the Ascalon Club. And they are basically the vampiric elite in mm-hmm. all of England. So they are the highest of high on vampires. And they really dictate all of vampire society. So... When you meet the Ascalon Club uh, in Chapter 4, I believe, at the very beginning of Chapter 4, they want Jonathan to join their ranks because, as it turns out, Jonathan is a super powerful vampire. Because one of the things I guess we should have mentioned is that another ongoing thing of this is you're trying to figure out who made you into a vampire. Yeah, And so uh, periodically throughout the game, just a handful of times for me so far, Jonathan has come across this ghostly, ethereal blood vision of what is clearly another vampire, but he's got like, he, he floats for starters. He's got a very incorporeal body, just kind of barely a face you can make out. And these big, like four deer antlers. And he talks to Jonathan and Jonathan's like, fuck you, man. I didn't want to be a vampire. And he's like, you'll come to understand my son. He's very much trying to guide you. This ethereal forces, but you don't know who your maker is. You just know it's something. It's gotta be a hella powerful vampire. You just don't know who it is. So the Ascalon club wants to recruit you because they're like, Oh, you're from some sort of crazy, awesome ancient lineage. We have Mm. to have you in our club. By the way, they don't, they don't admit women vampires. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. So, which I thought was an interesting like conversation throughout the game too. Cause it's like, there's a call conversation of like nurse women, nurses can't be yeah. doctors, but like Dr. Reed's like, yeah, they should be able to. And it's like this, a lot of like this cultural subtext going yeah. underneath. Uh, it all the too. suffragette movement is happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. You meet a couple of characters that are suffragettes and it's like, yeah, votes for women. Women can be doctors. Women can totally be in super vampire society as long as they're also vampires. Mm-hmm. So the point is the Ascalon club sucks and they're totally corrupt, but they have this mortal man that is trying to join their ranks, uh, Aloysius Dawson. And he's basically a super old, absolute bastard. Like he's, he's an arms dealer. I believe that he has run a factory that makes guns his entire life. Uh, and it has made him very, very wealthy and he is super influential. The game uh, positions him as the wealthiest man in England. So he wields a ton of societal power. So at a certain point in the game, uh, the leader of the Ascalon Club, um, Redgrave, that's his name? Yes. Mm-hmm. First of all, what a Reaper name, right? Like, yeah. what, a, what a name for <laughs> Overwatch's Reaper. Uh, so Redgrave basically tells Jonathan, I am telling you, 
to go and convert Aloysius Dawson into a vampire because Aloysius just wants immortality. He wants to live forever and be a tyrant. And as Jonathan, uh, I went to Aloysius and I was like, you don't deserve this gift. And I killed him right there. I did too. (laughs) Nice. So I just murdered him. That's literally the last thing that happened in my game. Okay. And then I went and confronted Redgrave and he was like, what happened in there? And you have two options. You can say, oh, he didn't survive the procedure because he's really old. Or you can say, I killed him on purpose. And I was like, I killed him on purpose, bitch. Same. He didn't I did that too. <laughs> We're, we are vampires of morals. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's how I would be. I would understand my situation and be like, all right, well, I've got to make the best yeah. of this, but still be a good dude. So um, aside from you murdering all of Whitechapel, we're kind of on similar tracks. Yeah, we really are. Uh, aside from that one big variation oh in our gameplay. God, um, but no, I'm excited for you to get some the next like big happening because oh, it's good. Like yeah, I'm so, so excited. We're going to have to like come back in some we'll way and like hear your, hear your like, like re-wrap, wrap, up wrap up because I really want to know your thoughts on some stuff. Cause there's some good stuff coming. Yeah. So sometimes I'll say that in the past, sometimes we play enough of a game to do a, a review or at least I do. And then you kind of stop after that because there's just other stuff to do. But right. this is definitely a game that for all of its flaws, I'm going to finish it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm definitely invested at this point. And none of its flaws are enough to deter me from playing. And there have definitely been other games that did that. And this isn't one of them. So Vampire, it's not a perfect game. But what it does well, I think it does really well. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've definitely been having a good time playing it. My kind of like wrap up summation that I had for it is while the story really ramps up in the second half and is very engaging with its various twists, it is drugged down by repetitive gameplay and enemies with loads of lengthy dialogue sequences for a relatively shorter RPG experience. The game's combat does shine, though, and by the game's conclusion, I felt like I was the most powerful vampire, which I think does a lot. So while, yes, I agree with you, this game does have its flaws. It does have some areas where it could have been, there could have been, it could have been trimmed, I just think. Like you were saying, fewer people to have to talk to, to kind of like, you know, just in speed up that process a little bit more. Yes. I would have liked to have seen less repetitiveness in the travel. Like, yeah, give me a fast travel. Just give me oh, something. God, so I don't have to have the same travel option. So the same like five fights, 10 billion times as I'm walking through this city. Yeah. And, but the story, I do think while I, while we've addressed its shortcomings in the beginning, I think by the conclusion, it fully redeems itself. And so I think, yeah, if anything we've said at all, interests you in this game and because it and, and, and i guess to like all the introduction the investigation stuff that is very similar to life is strange that's what you're doing in life is strange it's yeah. going around and talking to people but that's your sole purpose in that one and the story of that game is so strong you are just like i don't care i could talk to all yeah, these it people holds all day itself up absolutely right and so i think though vampire is a excellent story in like vampire lore it does have some great combat, but just know there are it has its flaws. And if you can work through those, I think you're going to have a great time. Yeah. Because and I certainly the, did. Like, I really did have a great time. I finished the game and I was like, that was really good. And by the time this episode airs, uh, it is still free on PS Plus. So the games right. haven't switched over to November's games yet. So if well, you until have the PS third, Plus, I believe. Yeah. So if you've got it, pick it up. Honestly, for being a free game, assuming you don't have to pay for it. It's it's better than you might think. It's pretty good. It is and I good say, to great. 
I w- and I want to say too, it's like a fifteen to twenty hour game. It's not yeah, it, like it's well, not exp- your playthrough has been much shorter than mine. <laughs> well, well, that's why I say like in my in my review, like a shorter RPG experience. Like it's not like Dragon Age. That's like an eighty to hundred hour game. Yeah. Like you're you're gonna you can finish it. Like uh, we beat it in a week and a half. So like of playing yeah, not even every true. day. That's so it's point. not a super long game. So I think it's one definitely, especially in the spooky season, give it a shot. I think you'll have, you can have a lot of fun with vampire, but uh, yeah, that wraps up our review of this spooky game for our spooky Halloween season. Thank you everybody for again, for your patience as we took a little bit extra time to get this one out to you. But I think overall it was worth it because this was a pretty fun one to get to unpack. I will say, but Come back next week, again, November 7th. Don't forget, we're doing our extra live stream. We're going to be kicking that off on November 7th at 9 a.m. Central Time, playing for a full 24 hours. Join us there. Have fun with us. Have fun with the friends that will be joining us on the stream. It's going to be a great time. But until then, we'll see you next time.